This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. You may be seated. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. So, Father, we come to you this morning, and Father, I just thank you for what you're already doing. Father, I thank you for the people that I got to meet and greet as they were coming in. And Father, I pray that everyone that came in was met with a a smile and a love that you have loved us with. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit would continue to have freedom to move here amongst us. And Father, I pray that today, if there's areas of our lives that we need to tweak or figure some things out, that you would give us the courage to do so. In your name I pray, amen. So can we give it up for the worship team? These guys did a great job this morning, yes. And there is another team that I would like to say well done to. Can we, they're they're not working today. They have the Sunday off, but it's our next gen leaders. Can we give like, yes, those guys are awesome. Yes, and some of you brought your kids in here with you today, and so you'll realize even more how awesome they are. (laughs) But anyway, I I promise I won't try to be too long and uh, to get us all out of here before the kids are like, this guy's boring, Dad, I need to go. So anyway, well, uh, last week we started a series um, really borrowing from um, Pastor Ron when he spoke a few weeks ago about how Jesus' story became his story and how Jesus' story became the story of new life. And so last week I started a new series called How His Story Became My Story, and I shared a little bit about my background with you. And I said that we were also going to look at over the next three weeks how his story was going to continue to be new life story because we want new life story to continue to be Jesus's story. Am I right? Absolutely. So we're going to look at how we're going to do that. And so I said that there was these three phrases that really grabbed my attention when I was interviewing, and that's everybody's loved and nobody's perfect and anything is possible. And so I said those three phrases are going to be kind of the guides, our cores, as we move forward into the future. And so today, I would like to talk for a little bit about everybody's love. Now, back in the 80s, there there was a person who posed a really important question. Can I get that slide, please? Tina Turner, what does love got to do with it? Well, Tina, it's got a lot to do with it, amen? So Tina asked a great question. Uh, I don't know if, if I like the conclusions of the song, but yes, love has everything to do with it. And these next slides I'll show you. These are fantastic. Guess what? I love you. I love you. I love, you remember Elf? Yes? All right. I love this one. You're the cheese to my macaroni. Yes, how many of you like macaroni and cheese? 
okay, we'll be doing counseling after this uh, for all of you. And then I love the, the one on the bottom. I love you this much. Mackenzie and I, my daughter, and I don't think she would mind me telling the story. And if she does, it's no worry because she's in Nashville and can't get to me. But uh, when she was little, um, not this little because she wasn't talking when she was this little, but maybe like this tall, I, I would go, Mackenzie, I love you. And then she would try to do a bigger I love you. And so finally one day I said, I love you infinity. And her response back was, oh man. And so now we do that. We try to be the first one to say we love each other because you can't get any bigger than infinity, right? Because infinity times infinity is just what? Infinity. And so now we try to beat each other with that. And whoever doesn't get to say it first says, oh man. And so I know she's watching right now. So Mackenzie, I love you infinity. And you can say, oh man, yes. This next one though really grabs unconditional love. I love you enough to make our iPhone Samsung relationship work. <laughs> that one is brilliant. That one, I just thought that is unconditional love because Samsung people need a lot of love. <laughs> Not iPhone people. My, but anyway, yes, yes. Have you noticed how us Apple people are always practicing tribalism? Have you noticed that? Yes, anyway. And of course, we have the squirrel singing that great Whitney Houston song, I Will Always Love You. I'm not going to sing it because I would destroy it. But, but anyway, you can imagine. So yes, love has a lot to do with it. And interestingly enough, when we look at these kind of things and pictures and memes, we know that it makes it seem like love is easy, but we all know that love is not easy. Amen? Yes. Some of you are looking at your husband right now. I don't know why you're saying that. But anyway, love is a difficult thing. But I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that I find is incredibly powerful and instructive for us as a church. Let's look at it together. So it says this, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. You can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, I want to pause there. Jesus also said the greatest love is when we lay down our life for what? For another, right? So that he's picking up on that theme here. So let's pick this back up. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we, not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear the way clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationships with God. My dear friends, whoa, don't do that because I haven't memorized it. <laughs> My dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love one another. If anyone boasts, I love God 
and goes right on hating his brother and sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a what? A liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. We've got to do both. Let us pray. So Father, I pray now that as we look at love, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to you and to each other. In your name I pray, amen. So here's what I would like to do on this next slide. I would kind of like to do what I'm calling reframing love. So we just read, love begins with God. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. And so the reason why I'm calling this reframing, reframing love is because it's not until we actually encounter God, until we encounter Jesus, that we actually know what unconditional love is. You see, unconditional love is not part of the human experience. For the most part, it's not. You say, well, I love my kids unconditionally. Yes, but the two words there before kids, what, my kids, <laughs> right? It's, it's conditional. They're your kids, right? Do you love all kids the same way you love your kids? Come on. <laughs> Don't make me feel like I'm satanic up here. We, we, we don't because there's something about our kids. So whether we've had them by birth or by adoption, our kids, they just have a way of drawing us in and all those annoying things that they do. We just love them regardless. But other people's children, we, they drive us nuts. Okay, this side over here is not participating very well. <laughs> This side over here must be closer to Jesus. I, I, I'm just going to put that out there. So, oh, uh, and my wife's on this side, so I'm in big trouble. <laughs> and so for, for the large part of our human experience, we have not encountered unconditional love. Most of the love we encounter is conditional. It's conditional upon relationships or it's conditional upon actions. It's conditioned upon whether we do what's right or we do what's wrong. If we're part of a company, we're not part of a company. If we're part of a school, we're not part of a school. Or if we're part of a group, we're not part of that group. Unconditional love for us is difficult. And so when we have a God who comes in and says, I love you unconditionally, it's hard for our minds to wrap around that. You know, one of the things, you know, in growing up, my, my dad and I didn't have maybe the, the closest relationship. And there, there were some reasons for that, mostly because I was a knucklehead, I think. And, you know, I struggled a lot of times even praying to God as father because that word carried a different connotation for me at the time. I don't know how many of you maybe came from homes where, Maybe dad was absent or 
dad, you know, was angry or abusive, or maybe you didn't know your dad. And so sometimes coming to God and, and trying to figure out that unconditional love thing with the term father can be hard for us. Amen? Are you with me? So it can be kind of difficult. It can also be the fact that we also, you know, talk about Jesus being our friend, being our brother. And if you've suffered deep betrayals, it's, it's hard to equate those terminologies to Jesus. It's just difficult. And so whenever God talks about loving us unconditionally, I don't know if we believe it at times. I, I think we believe it up here, but I'm not sure if we believe it all the time down here. You know, and the reason why we have to reframe it is because we have to rethink about the fact that God really loves us. And you say, Shane, if you really knew who I was and what I've done, maybe you would understand why I struggle with God loving me. And what I would say to you is if you really knew me, (laughs) You'd be thinking, number one, you're pastoring. <laughs> but number two, you would be, God loves you unconditionally. We all struggle with that. We all do. One of the beautiful passages in Scripture, there's three of them, and I'm not going to take time to read them, but you can go and research it yourself if you like to do those kind of things. But there's three stories in the gospel that gives us these three pictures of the most extreme ways that Jesus loved people. One of them was the woman thrown at Jesus' feet, John chapter 8. Matter of fact, if you go up into my office and look on my office wall, I've got a triptych painting of the woman who was caught in adultery thrown at Jesus' feet. And I love that story because here's a story where, number one, back in first century culture, and we all kind of know this, but I'm thankful that it's changed, but in first century culture, women were kind of like livestock. You owned them, but they didn't carry any value. And so if you notice, the person that she was caught in adultery with wasn't thrown at Jesus' feet. It was just her. And what does Jesus do in that moment? He shows her immense love and immense value. And people didn't know how to wrap their heads around it because this is, this is like one of the lowest of the lowest individuals in culture and society. And Jesus is pouring out love upon her. Beautiful picture. Second picture, another beautiful picture. There's this Samaritan woman and there's only one thing that Jews hated worse than Gentiles and that was Samaritans because they were a Jew-Gentile mix and they couldn't stand them. And there was this lady who came out late later in the afternoon to get water and Jesus is sitting upon the side of the well and he begins talking to her. He begins revealing who he is. He begins revealing what he would like to do in her life and the lives of others. And we see that she goes back to the town and brings the whole town out. And they say, what? We first came out to hear Jesus because of you, but now we believe because we've encountered him ourselves, that immense love. And it really threw the disciples off. Jesus is like, they're, they're like, Jesus, what, what are you doing, man? You're, not only you're talking to a woman, but you're talking to a Samaritan woman. Like, you can't do that. But we see again that Scripture records this moment so that we can see this outpouring of unconditional love that Jesus has for people. The third picture 
is the one where, remember the Roman centurion that comes to Jesus? And he says, I have a special servant, and my servant is dying, and I, I need you to do something. And Jesus is like, take me to where the child or to where the servant is, right? And he says, hey, you don't have to do that. You just say the word and it's done. And Jesus heals him, right? And then afterwards, after he heals the servant, people are so angry because Jesus said, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And they want to kill him for that statement and showing love to the centurion. Why? Because if you go and you dig into the original words a little bit, this special servant was something that we probably put people in prison for now, right? I got kids present, so we're not going to talk about it. But that is what that Greek word would refer to. So everybody hearing this would have understood what relationship this was. And for Jesus to show love, unconditional love to the centurion and praise his faith. Like, can you see that these are kind of the extremes? And so these are given to us. Why? Because no matter who we are, where we are, what we've done, what we haven't done, no matter our genealogy, no matter any of that, God loves you unconditionally. He loves me unconditionally. And it's hard to wrap our minds around because we've never encountered it. So in order for you to know God, you've got to believe it. And you've got to hang on to it because God is what? Love. And he loves us all. So I want to move into this next part that I find really interesting. We are loved to love. So the first two things here, it says we've been commanded to love. And it says here, my dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each, we certainly ought to love each other. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You have to do both. Now, Sometimes people of faith, we don't really intentionally do it, but we have. We've kind of bought into a lie. Even though we don't say this, we, we do say we love people unconditionally, but really we know they have conditions. We have conditions. You got to clean up. You got to dress up. You got to get your act together. You got to stop doing this, start doing this. Are, are you following me here? And I think what we see within some places and people in faith communities and other organizations, we're, we're not loving really well. We're not loving like God loved us unconditionally. We're kind of loving conditionally. And it's easy for us to do because that's a human condition. And so the first thing I would say here is that God is telling us, listen, don't believe a lie. You have to love people unconditionally too. You have to work at loving people unconditionally too. And this is very difficult because we all know that people can get on our nerves. Amen? I saw this great meme video one time. It was kind of funny. This guy said, you know, I finally decided to go out in public 
And how dare the public come outside too? <laughs> and so we do, we, we struggle a bit with loving people. And then if we love people unconditionally, sometimes in our faith communities, we go, well, listen, that's not true love because if it's true love, you got to tell them where they're wrong and all of those kind of things. And, and what I would share with you is where did Jesus do that in those three examples I gave you? Matter of fact, the one lady, he, he says, who condemns you? And she goes, no one, Lord. And these powerful words come back. Neither do I. Now, go and sin no more, which is impossible, right? Okay, all you self-righteous, it's impossible, right? <laughs> it is. But this beautiful picture, and I want you to notice that she hasn't even asked for forgiveness yet. She hasn't repented yet. She hasn't done anything but be there in her shame. And Jesus is treating her with wild, unconditional love. That's the same kind of love we are to love people with. Well, let's look at this one. This is a great question. Next slide. If it's locked up, you're all in trouble. Okay. Is this possible? Is it possible for us to love unconditionally? And the answer to that question is yes and no. If we try to do it under our own power, we're going to struggle. But if we do it with the power of God, it is possible. Because the first thing we have to remember is this. We have received the gift of love. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. He says, love is the greatest of all gifts. There's one spiritual gift that everybody in the Christian community has, and that's the gift of love. We have all been given the gift of love. Why? So that we can turn around and love. So when we've been given love, okay, so that helps. We've got a source, right? We're not having to kind of drudge it up ourselves, but God has loved us. And it's so cool that God actually loves you so much and you so much and you so much that he wants to love people. He wants to love you through people and love you directly. Isn't that cool? Did y'all get that? He loves you so much that he's going to, yes, love you directly, but he's also going to pour his love to you through other people. There's a great book uh, written by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, one of my heroes, and he, he talks about life together and how important love is to having a life together. So is it possible? Yes. Why? Because God is our source. He loves us in the middle of our ugliness. Now, what I mean by that is this, is we all... All of us in this room, all of us, when we're alone at night and it's quiet and we're in our heads, we all know who we are, right? Right? We all know who we are. And what I want to say to you is that person's the one loved by God. Not the one we pretend to be, not the good face that we put on to come to church or go to work or any of those things, but the person that we only know, 
the person sometimes when we look at the mirror, we just go, oh man. Not because of looks. In my case, maybe. But that moment where we see ourselves and we're just like, God, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you love me like this, but he does. And if he can love us like that, who is the ultimate in purity, ultimate in righteousness, right? In God, there is no sin. He can't even tempt us to do sin. He's so consistent that James says his shadow doesn't even change as the sun moves across the sky. God is that consistent. He is always loving at 100% capacity. And if he can do that, then we should at least try. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing is see the person. Don't see the things that you don't like. (laughs) Or when you see the things that you don't like, set those things aside and see the person for who they really are. One of the things that I was so impressed with coming here and watching you greet each other is you guys do a great job of seeing the person in front of you. It's not just a job. It's not just something you do because you serve on a team. You're actually interested in the person in front of you. We've all been in those moments, right, where we've been greeted by somebody or somebody comes up to us and we know they're really not really into what we're, you know what I'm saying? But I haven't found that here. People genuinely want to love. So I think this is something that we've got to continue to do. Continue to see the person in front of us. Continue to see the person like Jesus sees the person. As a matter of fact, um, Paul tells the Corinthians, he's like, we don't look at people from a merely human point of view any longer. Why? Because we've been changed. God's love has changed us and we want God's love to change others, amen? Not we change others, but it's God's love that changes. So it's really important. So how do we do that? Well, number one, let's get involved in people's lives. Let's don't stand at a distance. You know, interestingly enough, you know, when the Pharisees would move through and the priests would move through the towns, they didn't want people touching them. Because if they touched them, it would make them unclean. But what do we see Jesus doing in direct contrast? Touching everyone. (laughs) Everyone, even people with leprosy, Jesus is touching. And people are transformed by him. Nothing stays the same. Jesus is the ultimate catalyst. It's this love that he pours out. And he's telling us, hey, get involved in people's lives. Don't stand at a distance and judge because it's hard to judge when you're in it with people, amen? And you're loving them. It's awfully hard to judge. This one, value the people, minimize the negative. Value the people, minimize the negative. So every time a negative pops up, give it to Jesus, love the person, amen? I actually used to try this. I actually did this for a long time. Um, back when I was learning about grace and love and all of these things, and I still am. It's, it, I've been a Christian now since I was seven years of age. I'm 51. You do the math because I failed. Um, 
But I've been, a, I've been a Jesus follower for a long time. And I still struggle with the fact that he loves me unconditionally. Maybe you do too. I would just say this, believe it. But then allow people to love you. Have you ever noticed you try to love people sometimes? And man, they make it hard. <laughs> allow yourself to be loved. So value people, minimize the negative. And so as the praise team comes out, I want us to look at this next slide because I have an experiment here for us. So I said that his story became my story and his story, Jesus' story, will continue to be the story of new life. The way we're going to do that is we are going to continue to love the way we've always loved and we're actually going to ramp it up. Amen? We are going to be people known as people who love unconditionally. It's one thing to say, God loves you unconditionally. It's another thing to say, hey, come to my church because we love people unconditionally. Do you see the beauty in that? And this is not new to you. You've been hearing about this for a long time, but we are going to continue to be this church. Are you with me, church? We're going to continue to be the church that loves unconditionally. We're going to see people. We're going to see each other. And we are going to love people towards Jesus. And then they're going to experience that amazing, overwhelming love. Amen? So this week, I want you to practice. We want you to, you know, we've always got that one special person that drives you insane. You know who I'm talking about? I'm not talking about me. But we all have that one person. Maybe it's our family member. Maybe it's somebody at our job. Uh, maybe it's somebody in our church. Maybe it's the pastor. It just drives you insane. Well, guess what? Last week we talked about jumping in the deep end. Well, we're going to jump in the deep end and say, you know what? We're not going to take baby steps into love. We're just going to jump into love, right? Because Jesus tells us we're not only to love our friends, but we're also to love our what? Enemies. And so I'm not saying the person who drives you insane is your enemy. They might be. But here's what we're going to do. This week, we're going to pray for them. You're going to pray for them by name every day, whoever that person is. And I don't want you to pray that God would strike them with a bolt. I don't want you to pray anything bad. I want you to pray that they would understand the amazingness of God's love towards them. I want you to pray blessing upon them. I want you to pray favor upon them. I even want you, if it's somebody that's a coworker, I even want you to pray that they'll be promoted. And you're like, yes, out of my division. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I want you to do that and find practical ways of loving them. Maybe if you get up and go get a cup of coffee, maybe get them one too. If they're allergic to caffeine, don't do that. Uh, maybe some water or something. But find practical ways to love. Try speaking value to those individuals. You say, Shane, what is that like? Well, whenever you see them do something you like, Go up to him and say, hey, you know what? You did this earlier. You didn't know I was watching, but I was stalking you. And 
I was watching you, and I just thought that that was amazing. The way you dealt with that person, the way you handled that tough situation. Maybe it's a family member, the way, you know, maybe they stepped up and did something nice for another family member or someone in their community. Go up and just pour value on top of value. Recognize them. Amen? You with me? And this one's the tough one. Forgive what you're holding against people and treat them with kindness. Now, this one's tough because I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to do, I'm a multiple forgiveness repeater. (laughs) I'm a multiple forgiveness repeater. And what I mean by that is, is that I find in my own life, it's not forgiving once, it's choosing to forgive over and over and over and over and over. Amen? Because when the enemy brings something up in your mind, and you're like, I can't believe you're actually praying for that person, you're just going to say, no, what? Jesus, I forgive that person. I forgive that. And every time it comes up, I forgive it, I forgive it, I forgive it. And you say, Shane, why is that important? Well, eventually the enemy is going to leave you alone about that person because he's going to get tired of driving you to Jesus. And the more you're driven to Jesus, the more you're going to love like Jesus. Amen? And so that's the way we counter that. We're just going to be like, you know what? I let it go. A lot of times in reconciliation and working with parties that have had difficult circumstances, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you try to settle all those differences, it usually never happens. But what we have to do is we have to call people to a higher way of living and say, you know what? Can we just forgive it? Bless each other and let's move forward together. So church, this is who we're going to be. This is who we're going to continue to be. We're going to continue to be people who are loved unconditionally by God. And we are going to ramp it up. And we are going to be a church known for seeing people and loving them unconditionally. Amen? All right. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.